New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. I got to break ranks with everybody here at WABC, round the clock. Oh, my God, this idolatry with the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. Where the hell did we get all this revisionism about, oh, the royal family, Queen Elizabeth? Now the decadent, debaucherous, dysfunctional, deadbeats continue. With King Charles III, right, he said, expected to address the world. And I uh, ask all of you, especially the Irish out there who recognize this song, actually made and produced here in America by Irish-American lads, Black 47, James Conley. Uh, Lou, uh, I know you live out in the Irish Riviera now, you're not Irish. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm going to give you some songs here. Funky Cell, The Big Fella, Living in America. No, no, not the James Brown version from Rocky. No, no, no. It's a great song. Maybe we have to revive some of the Irish out there who are listening right now. Uh, earlier this morning, you probably had your bacon, your sausage, your baked beans, eggs, mushrooms, your grilled tomatoes and leftover potatoes. And maybe washed it down with a little Guinness. I know, kind of early in the morning. And you're listening to uh, Sid Rosenberg without Bernard McGurk. And, of course, Sid, you know, he's waxing poetic. You know, the queen, the queen. We'll get to Jews later on in the queen. Now, let's start with the Irish and the royal family, right? This revisionism. Let me just say bollocks. Bollocks. You understand what that means? This idolatry, this beatification of the queen and the royal deadbeats, oh, it's got to be brought to an end. We're going to be sitting shiver for 11 days. Even Jews don't sit shiver for 11 days. They sit eight days. And you bring the hamantash in. Even you, uh, righteous Gentile, Lou, you know that. Oh, my God. And this song was dedicated to the Easter Rebellion. The Irish Revolution against the British thugs with their jackboots on their necks as they sought freedom. And as a result of uh, the rising, I guess about 30 people were executed, including uh, the leader of the pack, James Connolly. Uh, he had broken his ankle. They put him in a chair. They shot him like 24 times right there. Oh, we'll get to that momentarily. I, I sort of have to revive people. Because I, I feel that I have to speak as if I were Bernard McGurk, who was still recovering from prostate cancer, which I had, stage 4 prostate cancer. Uh, he had an unexpected appendicitis uh, in his recovery period. 
I had an appendicitis when I was like six years old, and they took me to the hospital in Howard Beach. Boy, was I lucky to survive that. So I feel like, in essence, I'm a brother in solidarity with Bernard McGurk, who opened the Monroe Housing Project, one of the few Irish families in public housing then. His dad, a bus driver, now lives in the Irish Alps uh, next to all the Jews who live in the Jewish Himalayas in Sullivan County in the Catskills. And I say to myself, look, if any of you Irish are getting involved with this uh, idolatry, I speak to the Roman Catholic Irish because we know the Protestant Irish, they're all like uh, in misery. But you need to impale yourself with a shredded shillelagh. I can't believe this. And it goes on and on and on. So let's uh, address this one by one. Lower the music a little bit, but I want Black 47 in the background. These are not Irish guys from the land of era, era. No, no, Irish guys from America, right here in New York City, who wrote these songs. So, uh, number one, all the headlines say the world mourns Queen Elizabeth's passing. No, I don't mourn her passing. And there are a lot of places in the many Commonwealth nations, I think they're number 28, who had to somehow survive under the oppression of the British royalty who sucked all the wealth out of those countries. As a result, they still remain third world countries. Then other headlines I'm scanning, God save the king? Are you kidding? If it's Jesus Christ, Hashem, Allah, Buddha, or the 4,000 gods and goddesses of the Hindu faith, do me a favor, do not save this new king, Charles III. Once again, decadent, debaucherous, dysfunctional, a deadbeat. By the way, do we quickly forget what the royal family did to Princess Diana, how they used her, they abused her, and then basically threw her to the sideline? All because of this uh, Prince Charles, right? Now, King Charles III. How quickly we forget, or want to forget. And by the way, we were told that Prince Charles, before he became uh, king because he was waiting in the wings, uh, does charity work. He's a patron of the arts. What, with his money? No, with everybody from the Commonwealth uh, and the U.K. And by the way, who is the number one Medici of now King Charles III? The House of Fraud, the Saudis. That's right, because he's had many meetings with them in Riyadh, and he's probably said, you know, you guys really do it the right way. It's too bad we had to accept a parliament, a House of Commons of the rich, the elite, and then uh, naturally, uh, excuse me, the House of Lords of the rich and the elite and the House of Commons of the commoners. You you guys do it much better here. You have 3,000 fake, phony, fraudulent princes of the House of Fraud. And boy, they all know they better worship the king here in Saudi Arabia or it's a poke and a chop off with your head. So all of his money for him being a patron of the arts, for him doing charitable work. I like the way they always say, oh, these deadbeats, the biggest welfare cheats in the world, the royal family. Oh, they do charitable work. With whose money? Think of that. With whose money? And his number one Medici is the House of Fraud, the Saudis, responsible for the attack of 9-11. Right? Fifteen Saudi citizens who were part of that cabal. And let me ask all of you out there, leading into this weekend, especially Sunday, a day of commemoration, the 21st anniversary of the attack on 9-11. You really think there's going to be more attention, Lou, spent 
on commemorating our hero, firefighters, cops, others who uh, ran into that pit when we were under attack? Or do you think there'll be this back-to-back, wall-to-wall coverage of the decadent, debaucherous, dysfunctional deadbeats, the royal family? That the media has us brainwashed into believing, oh, the world mourns Queen Elizabeth's passing. Not, not at all. So I ask all of you, all of you Irish who live in Woodlawn, Little Dublin, up there in the Bronx, or Norwood, or Pearl River, the Irish Riviera, and Rockland County, or Spring Lake on the Jersey Shore, or Westerly along Forest Avenue in Staten Island, or naturally, Lou, your neighbors, you and Sid's neighbors, in the Ponce, Bell Harbor, Rockaway Beach, Breezy Point, and Broad Channel. Are you really going to sit there and sit shiver for Queen? Let me make mention a few of the other things. Uh, you're not going to like me mentioning it. In fact, the media was oftentimes banned from saying anything about the Queen or the royal family. I know when I started the Guardian Angels in the U.K. in London, uh, I was told on the BBC 1, 2, 3, and 4, you cannot disparage the royal family. You cannot say anything negative. There is no free speech in the U.K. You could be sued. You could be put out of business. You cannot, like here, we can disparage the president, whether it was Trump or Biden or anyone else. You have the freedom to do that. Not in the U.K. The royal family is untouchable. By the way, did you see those pictures, Lou, of a little Queen Elizabeth II at the same palace there in Scotland that she passed away uh, in? Walking around, goose-stepping, giving the Nazi salute with the rest of the royal family who was present at that time. The Queen's uncle, the future King Edward VIII, who abdicated his throne because he decided to uh, marry the American, sort of like a reverse of Meghan, Meghan Markle, the U.S. divorcee Wallace Simpson. Who also, by the way, went over to Germany and praised, praised Adolf Hitler and the Nazis excessively. And when the, um, when the Nazi bombers were actually raiding, Coventry, which is north of London, which was the industrial complex in 1940. Eight straight months of bombing the Luftwaffe, and they leveled that town. I know I visited Coventry. The royal family sent out emissaries to Adolf Hitler and said, hey, if you invade England and take over England because that was a threat, would you maintain the royalty? And he said, of course, of course. So here it is. The royal family supported the black shirts of Ian Mosley who were supporters of the Nazis. Oh, but then again, we don't want to talk about that. Of course we don't want to talk about that. And then what about the Great Famine? What about the Potato Famine? 1845 to 1849, we have a monument to such right down near the Battery, when all of a sudden Irish were dying by the thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. And Queen Victoria just denied their appeal. In fact, she took more and more of the foodstuffs, more and more of the cattle and other products of Ireland as Irish families were dying and perishing. Why? Because at that time, Irish, you could not own land if you were a Catholic. You couldn't own it or lease it. You couldn't vote. You were basically indentured servants, and that's why so many of them fled to the United States. We benefited from that uh, uh, that fleeing But my God, how could you suddenly forget that it was the royal family who imposed that on the Irish? 
And then, of course, consistently attacking the Irish Roman Catholics, even up until the point where you had Bobby Sands and Long Cash, as they were at, as described, Her Majesty's Prison in Long Cash. The blanket protest, and then all of a sudden, 10, including Bobby Sands, starved themselves to death. 100,000 people attended the funeral march of Bobby Sands. Okay, so you say probably more will attend the Queen's various uh, ceremonies during this 11-week uh, period, excuse me, 11-day period of uh, sinning shiva. And to all you Jews out there, right, right after the Holocaust, when 70,000 Jews were fleeing Europe and trying to find freedom in Palestine, desperately, the British intervened, stopped their boats, put them in internment camps with towers and barbed wire, similar to what had happened when they were in internment camps and concentration camps throughout Europe. The British did that. Did the royal family speak up and say, oh, that's bad? No, because we're always told the royal family doesn't get involved in politics. Bollocks. Bollocks. They do when it serves their purposes. Look at apartheid. They maintained apartheid because so many of the Brits, including the royal family, had investments in South Africa. I mean, I can continue on and on and on. So I say to all of you, stop the idolatry. Stop the beatification of Queen Elizabeth II in her death. And understand that this royal family that we went to war against in order to secure our our freedom so that we wouldn't have to buck, bow, and bend to the Union Jack and be denied our freedoms that we have here inherent of America. And we're all of a sudden supposed to sit shiver for the decadent, decadent, debaucherous, dysfunctional deadbeats of this royal family, now led by one of the worst, King Charles. And by the way... Where's the uh, pedophile on a pedestal, uh, Prince Andrew? Will he emerge? Will he be uh, forgiven for his many sins? Of course he will. Prince Harry is at the side uh, of uh, the Queen Mum during her wake. Well, Meghan Markle is not. You know, who cares? This has no impact on our lives, no impact on the lives of people around the world. And in honor of Bernard McGurk, who could not be broadcasting, I think, Lou, I spoke on his behalf. Up the rebels! Up the rebels! Bollocks this propaganda about the royal family. Bollocks! He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. You ain't nothing but a hound Oh, I hope Lou spent more time this weekend talking about the commemoration of 9-11. 21st anniversary of the attack on American Western civilization by members of the House of Fraud, the Saudis. Fifteen of them, and they've never, ever had to pay the price for that. Never. Never. Talking about all of their supporters. Uh, all the documents redacted. We have a right to know and the families who lost their loved ones. Uh, naturally, we'll be talking about that all weekend long, the rest of the day. And definitely on Sunday, the um, actual day of the tribute and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation 9-11 Remembrance Walk and Run. And I know quite a few of our uh, our broadcasters here at WABC 
I know that Greg Kelly, who follows from one to three, he has a whole contingent that will be joining that walk through the tower. I know that among Mamaluke overnights, Frank Morano does. I know a number of others. I think Rita Cosby. I'm not quite sure. I got to make sure that I craft some time to do that because remember, I'm off the air six o'clock in the morning as I take you to the break of dawn. But the reason that we played uh, Elvis Presley, who, by the way, I hate, I loathe, I despise that other pedophile on a pedestal, is that I was listening to Bill O'Reilly. There's a great 15-minute uh, warm-up with so many facts and so much analytics uh, from 12 to 12.15 as part of the lunchtime edition here at WABC. And then I go 45 minutes with a rip and reading commentary. No calls will be call-driven all weekend long when WABC, the acronym, stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. But he talked about on this date in 1956 on the Ed Sullivan Show, Elvis Presley appeared shaking, rattling, and rolling his hips and singing The Hound Dog, and you know the rest of that story. And the reason that's important is because all of a sudden Memphis, which has really been, what can I call it? I can call it a little New Orleans, really, a little New Orleans. Any of you ever gone to Memphis, many of you sometimes on the way down along the Mississippi River, down to New Orleans, where also, obviously, the Mississippi River ends and then eventually ends up pouring out into the Gulf of Mexico. If you've ever been to Memphis, and obviously there are a lot of you who pay tribute to Elvis, you go to the mansion, you go to all the other things that have uh, Elvis Presley paraphernalia, Elvis Presley memorabilia. It might as well be called the Elvis Presley city. But it is a city predominantly uh, black. Not a very large city in terms of population, but a high-crime city on par with New Orleans. And it's had a lot of political corruption over the years, uh, tracing back to when blacks uh, were able to take over political power from the prevailing whites, uh, pretty much uh, at the time of the 80s. But everywhere you look in Memphis, whether it was from Elvis Presley and his uh, Memphis Mafia, there were a bunch of thugs who would bend your leg and stuff it in your pocket uh, at uh, the beck and call of Elvis Presley, the pedophile on a pedestal or to the political corruption that has haunted that city for years, you go to Memphis and you get wine-dined and pocket-lined if you're an elected official, to the street crime that is off the hook. Notice how Memphis has dominated, dominated national reporting this whole week because they've had a series of crimes that pretty much reflect what's been happening throughout America. And it just so happens in these instances, the perps, the predators, the enemies of society are blacks. Predominantly in Memphis, when you look at the um, at the analytics, and that's the one city I don't have guardian angels in, although obviously it sure needs uh, guardian angels, a division of Marines, it needs something. It's uh, complete anarchy uh, reigns there. It's predominantly black criminals preying on predominantly black citizens. Well, let's just go through the laundry list of all the crimes in the last two weeks that have had us focus on Memphis. Remember, you had that 34-year-old white teacher and mother of two who was a kindergarten teacher running near the University of Memphis when she disappeared. Her uh, husband said that she normally goes out for a jog at about 4 o'clock in the morning, does about a good uh, hour and a half, two hours, and then comes in. 
And by the time 7 a.m. arrived, he was frantic. He was worried because his wife had not arrived, fearing the worst. Maybe she had gotten sick along the uh, the way, or God forbid, a victim of the ever-growing crime rate in Memphis. And it turned out, according to the surveillance footage viewed by the investigators, a black GMC terrain passed the jogger, the teacher, Fletcher, and then waited for her to run by the vehicle. A black man then exited the SUV, ran aggressively towards Fletcher, and forced her into the passenger seat. The man remained in the vehicle with the victim for about four minutes before driving away. The guy arrested, his name was Abston. That's his last name, Abston. And when you look at his rap sheet, when you look at what would be uh, typically his reference sheet in terms of what he's done his entire life since he was a young little enemy of society in his teens, it is horrific the number of violent crimes that this guy has committed. And he was arrested uh, last Saturday after the cops located his GMC terrain with a matching license plate number and damage to the real taillight in a parking lot. Abstin, this enemy of society, attempted to flee when police approached, but officers were able to place him into custody. They did the DNA checks in the uh, SUV and determined that, in fact, yes, the 34-year-old teacher had been in there, and then eventually they found her body. But this guy had been charged 16 times before. Lou, this is the most important one. So he had a defense attorney when he was 16 years old defending him in Memphis criminal court. He didn't like the outcome uh, of the judge's decision because, you know, he's a juvenile. And he decided to kidnap his defense attorney, Memphis defense attorney Kemper Durant, at gunpoint. And then while... The defense attorney is screaming for help. This this criminal, lifelong criminal, abstinent at the age of 16, is forcing him to withdraw money from an ATM. Then all of a sudden, he pistol-whipped this guy, and he left him on the roadside. Eventually, he was caught, and he was sentenced to 24 years in prison as an adult. His defense attorney said, look, you cannot release this guy abstinent early. He tried to kill me. Just imagine how many more people in the future he will try to kill. This was his defense attorney warning everyone, do not release him early. Well, what do you think the state of Tennessee did? They released him early. And then he goes and he kidnaps that white teacher on her morning jog, brutalizes her, rapes her, leaves her for dead. And now he's back into custody. And how many people are going to feel sorry for him and say that he was a product of a dysfunctional family and that he was a juvenile delinquent, never given an opportunity to mature into adulthood? Hey, death penalty for this guy. I have no idea if Tennessee has a death penalty, but put the juice in his caboose. Then, back-to-back, belly-to-belly, Lou. If you notice, you had that 19-year-old black guy who was arrested and charged Wednesday night after multiple shootings and carjackings across the city of Memphis, the city of Elvis, that left four people dead and three injured. Now, apparently, he was not discriminating. He decided, you're black, white, you're Latino, you're Asian, it doesn't matter, I'm going to kill you. He recorded all of his actions on Facebook, in Facebook live video, as he goes from spot to spot, 
pulling out his gat and shooting people. In fact, in one, you see him walking into the auto zone on Jackson Avenue in the heart of Memphis, firing shots, and people are falling. And actually, they've removed that from Facebook Live. But another enemy of society, Memphis. And then you may have seen the video that went viral yesterday. As you got these uh, three black homeboys, they're in an SUV, and they're like, uh, one guy's pimping behind the wheel, and they're driving all through Memphis. And then all of a sudden, you see that they're out to shoot white people. Uh, Lou, if you could play that audio, because I'm going to have to translate. These guys are mumbling and grumbling and sucking their bottom lips. Now, uh, Lou, I think uh, we're going to have to put subtitles on this. I'm going to have to translate because, you know, I'm always in the hood with hood rats. But even that, even that accent, and I've been in the South, have guardian angels in Jackson, Mississippi, in New Orleans, not in Memphis. Even me, I have a tough time understanding the way that homeboy was mumbling and grumbling. Let me see if, like, a archaeologist telling you what the hieroglyphics are on the pyramids uh, outside of Cairo, Egypt, say. Let me try to describe to you what these uh, two enemies of society that you see, and then there's a guy driving the SUV that you don't see. Uh, the police estimate they're probably between the ages of 18 and 21. That's a pretty good guess. But the one guy, the leader of the pack, with the schmata on his head, he was saying white folks fixing to not like black people. They're fixing to be marching by the riverside along, obviously, the Mississippi. White lives matter. He already shot an old white man. I'm fixing to shoot an old white lady. Now, is it okay, Lou, if in these three cases, they're all black uh, perps. Can I, I say I hate these black guys? You know, the one that kidnapped a white kindergarten teacher, raped her, strangled her, left her for the day. Can I hate him? Can I hate the black guy who went on a rampage all night in Memphis, Facebook living as he shot indiscriminately person after person, four died, three others injured, and luckily the cops uh, stopped him before he created more crime. And can I hate these three homeboys who are threatening to kill white people? Can I, is that okay? Doesn't make me a racist, right? Uh, you know, all lives matter, I, I guess. My God. It's bad, ladies and gentlemen. It's bad. And I'm waiting for African-Americans to rise up in Memphis. There's black leadership there, black leadership of the police department, black leadership locally, black leadership in the uh, state legislature in Tennessee, and uh, speak out against this and say, yo, brothers, what's up? You're all young. You're out there thugging people, our people, all people, white people especially. It's got to stop. You think Al Slim Shady Sharpton's going to take a trip to Memphis? Remember, Memphis was the spot where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. appeared. 
right before he was executed on the balcony of that motel on behalf of sanitation workers. Remember, tomorrow is the Labor Day parade. I'll be there. I'll be honoring my union membership at SAG-AFTRA. But Martin Luther King Jr. was there to support the sanitation workers who might as well have been indentured servants, most of them black, not all of them. And he gave that speech cryptically predicting his death. And then you know what happened uh, when he was on the balcony of that motel as he was shot and killed. Wow, look at look at all these circle lines around Memphis, from Elvis and the thugs who were his Memphis mafia, to the, these three heinous killings, to the commemoration of Martin Luther King Jr. when it came to the aid of union workers, sanitation workers in Memphis who were being treated like indentured servants. And then uh, within a span of two, three days, executed on the balcony. Speaking of cities and sanitation workers and problems, we are on the cusp of a fiscal disaster here, ladies and gentlemen. I don't want to, uh, again, continue to be the Paul Revere here and let you know that next year our city finances will implode. Finally, journalists who wouldn't listen to me during my general election versus Eric Adams, would not listen to me. I said, if I'm elected mayor, you have to impose upon me and the city administration and all of its facets, the Financial Emergency Control Board. They have to limit the amount of money that city officials are spending because we won't have money for cops, firefighters, for teachers, for social workers, for no one. It's going back to when uh, A.B. put us on the cusp of fiscal insolvency and Gerald Ford, who was the president, you probably remember the front page, said New York City dropped dead. And he was right because it was the result of the corrupted practices of the Democrats that controlled the city back then. And they all had their beak in the trough. And we wanted uh, the federal government to bail us out. And uh, at the time, Rumsfeld was the uh, chief of staff for then-President Gerald Ford, and the deputy chief of staff was Dick Cheney. And they went into a room with Gerald Ford, who had just come out of meeting with Hugh um, Carey, who was to go on to become governor of the state of New York, but it was a lifelong friend uh, of uh, Gerald Ford because they served in the House. And they said, you can't bail out New York City. If you bail out New York City, you're going to start an an economic slide throughout the country. Other cities are going to want to be bailed out. And then bonds will be worthless. You can't do that. And finally, Gerald Ford, the president, decided, I can't bail out New York City. And as a result, Kerry becomes governor and puts into effect the Financial Control Board with Felix Rolatan representing the bankers, Victor Gottbaum representing the unions. They pooled their resources, and the incoming mayor, Ed Koch, had to watch every nickel, dime, and penny he was spending. And that's the way I said it should be if I were elected mayor or if Eric Adams was elected mayor. Well, you chose Eric Adams. And he's spending like a drunken sailor like his predecessor, Bill de Blasio, did. So now we're facing economic apocalypse. And nobody seems to be interested, as you're going to find out up next. Where was Eric Adams, uh, the swagger man with no plan? He was partying to the wee hours of the morning last night because it's, that's right, the beginning of Fashion Easter week. Oh, out of all the weeks of the year. 
This is when Eric Adams struts around like a peacock because he gets to go to fashion show after fashion show after fashion show after fashion show as bodies continue to be, like, uh, knocked out in the streets by enemies of society. Wake up, Eric Adams. It's time to hit the streets, not just the suites. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. You better work. Swagger Man with no plan last night. It's at Gracie Mansion hosting the start of his favorite week of the year, the New York Fashion Week. Let's see, he was there standing with, oh, yes, Vogue's editor, Anna Wintour, with Condé Nast, with Alf, Ralph Lauren, with Women's World Daily. He was all the fashionistas. They were flocking around the peacock. As he was showing the latest fashion garb that he had on, there was a glow-in-the-dark jacket that made everybody go, ooh, ah. Except for average working day, people were saying, hey, mayor, look at public safety. He had a he had a tourist raped in the subway from Cleveland at 42nd and 8th. You think that's going to encourage tourism? No transit cops, homelessness, EDPs everywhere. Normal crime on the rise, open drug use on city streets, sanitation issues, and you're going to be spending all your time all this week going from fashion show to fashion show, and I guarantee you, at each and every appearance he makes, he'll have on different garb, he'll be like a peacock, the metrosexual that he is. But meantime, Lou, he has been petitioned by the city council who have said, why is it that you're allowing the government of Saudi Arabia, partially responsible for the attack of 9-11 that we're commemorating today and on Sunday, the official day of the attack, whose own citizens, 15 of them, with support of the House of Fraud, the Saudi family, waged war on America on behalf of Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda, who was the evil seed of the bin Laden family, largest construction firm in the Middle East, housed where? In Riyadh, in Saudi Arabia. Connect the dots. Connect the dots. So the city council, and I agree with them on this, have said, hey, you know something? The Trump family owns the uh, golf course there, right in uh, the Bronx along the neck. You cannot allow the Saudis to have their golf tournament there for women. That's a slap in the face to everybody in this city that suffered the most losses, the most damage, the most horrific violence of all the locations in the world that suffered as a result of Al-Qaeda. And then it's a stepchild, the evil stepchild of ISIS. And you know what's happened? The mayor has remained quiet, Eric Adams. Swagger man with no plan. He has said the tournament can go on. We're not going to ban it from playing on the city-owned golf course run by the Trump family business. And a uh, little, little, little backstory here. Of course he's not going to ban it. Of course he's not going to stand up to the Trumps. 
stand up to the Saudis because who goes into Trump Tower at night across the street from the United Nations, 90 stories high, the swagger man with no plan. Why does Eric Adams keep going in and out of Trump Tower through the side garage? You need to ask yourself. Meantime, instead of commemorating 9-11, what will the mayor be doing all weekend long? It's all in the hips. It's all in the Work with me. It's all in the hips. Yeah. It's all in the hips. 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 Get off of me. It's all in the hips. He just teasing the tension, baby. It's all in the hips. I am completely open. You know, I'm a nightlife mayor, and I like to test the product. Yeah, we know that. You'll be testing the product after all these fashion shows that'll be taking place this week. I can't wait till they pack up and go. And by the way, WABC listeners, stop the commemoration of the death of Queen Elizabeth II. All of your attention should be focused on the 21st commemoration of the dead of 9-11, the fault of which the Saudis cannot wash the blood from their hands.